Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Thorn Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the and I'm. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Well, good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me. Thanks again for uh, taking the time to download this week's episode. If you're a newcoming uh, listener, then uh, welcome to the program. If you're uh, back for more, then welcome back. And I'm glad uh, that you continue to make the Pipeline Show one of your uh, weekly podcast downloads. Uh, Let's get right to the question of the day, which I uh, added to Twitter earlier today as uh, the CHL's... uh, Canada-Russia series is now in the books. Uh, I made it a poll question, and pretty simple. I just wanted to know how much of it you watched this year. And uh, so the uh, three options that I put up, you watched every second of it, you only watched the highlights, or you did not watch at all. And right now, 65% of uh, respondents to the poll did not watch the uh, Canada-Russia series. Uh, 30% said they only watched the highlights, and uh, just 5% said they uh, watched the entire thing. You can take part in that poll at TPS underscore Guy on Twitter. That's uh, where you can follow me if you're not already. Myself, I would uh, fit into that category of uh, did not watch. Well, I guess I did see some of the highlights. I watched some of the highlights, but uh, for the vast majority, I did not watch. Quite honestly, I just don't have interest in uh, the the Canada-Russia series. And I've been talking about this well over a decade now on the Pipeline show that uh, I think the format is uh, has gone stale. I, I, I don't really uh, have an interest in uh, in watching most of the Russian players that, uh, that come over, and that's not a knock on Russians, but I, I would change the format. And I've said this uh, for over a decade now on this program, that I would have uh, the CHL teams uh, as they are. They, I mean, this is a, a, an evaluation tool for Hockey Canada, and, and I'm fine with that part of it. Uh, but in the queue, I would have uh, the Canadians uh, out of the queue taking on an, uh, a world team made up of players from the queue. So all the import players, every team or almost every team has two import players, plus all the Americans that are in the three CHL leagues. So I would have what is right now called a Team QMJHL. Uh, I would uh, call that Q Canada maybe or something, I don't know. But I would have them take on a, a world team made up of uh, players in the queue who are uh, European and American, and I would do the same in the OHL, and I would do the same in the WHL. And uh, just quickly, I put together a roster for the WHL version of what I'm talking about. Two goaltenders uh, would be uh, Dustin Wolf and Matt Sogard, so you have an American and a, a and a Sogard from Denmark. Uh, the back end, Jaeger Zamula, Philip Kral, Wyatt Wiley, Clay Hannes, Casper Puccio, Christopher Setoff, and uh, Jonas Bronberg. So 
Uh, I mean, that's well represented uh, from across the uh, the world. You have a couple of Americans, you have a couple of Finns, you have another Dan- Danish player, a Russian in there as well as a Czech. And up front, I mean, there are a lot of players that you can pick from uh, when it comes to uh, the imports and the Americans uh, in the WHL. I mean, Alexi Protus is one of the top scorers this year, so is Oliver Ocular. Then you've got uh, Pavel Novak in Kelowna and Ilya Yusa in uh, of Prince Albert, Austin Pratt is an American, Mark Kastelik is American, Jake Grishas, Isaac Johnson, all Americans, Milos Roman, Vlad Alistrov here with the Oil Kings, Martin Lang in, in Kamloops, uh, Simon Kanak in uh, in uh, Portland, and uh, Michael Goot with the Everett Silvertips. There's, there are a lot of players available that you could put a, a very competitive uh, world team together. And for me, and I, this is the, the case I make, Hockey Canada uses this Canada-Russia series as an evaluation tool. Well, how about you evaluate the, the Canadian players against an even better team? And to me, this team that I just put together of imports and Americans in the WHL is better than the Russian team. Now, the series, it actually was competitive. It went right down to, I mean, if they split the series 3-3. It went to an extra shootout, and Canada won. Nolan Foote scoring twice in the extra shootout to give uh, the CHL the victory in the series. But nobody watched. Nobody is caring anymore. Nobody gets up for watching a, 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 a Russian team with players who they probably will never see again for the most part. There might be five or six of them get that get drafted. And quite honestly, you look at some of the, the marquee names on that Russian team. I mean, they're led in scoring by Dmitry Zavgorodny and Alexander Hovanov. They both only played two games, the two in the queue, because they're playing in the queue. So those two guys would still be playing in the event, as I uh, have outlined it. But, I mean, Vasily and all the hype for this guy, taken 10th overall uh, by the Vancouver Canucks, he played in all six games, one point, one assist in the entire event. That's really exciting. Yeah, so I, I would uh, revamp this uh, the Canada-Russia series uh, completely uh, to try to... Uh, spark it and give it a little bit more uh, excitement but uh, you can let me know if you uh, agree or disagree uh, hit me up on twitter at tps underscore gee and let me know uh, what you think of uh, my idea on how to revamp things uh, let's go on with the uh, the news and notes and uh, we'll continue on from the canada russia series and now that that is uh, in the books out in the queue yeah, the top-rated team in the entire chl that would be the sherbrooke uh, phoenix uh, they are leading the queue with a record of 18-1-2 after 21 games. That is pretty darn impressive. Uh, the Sherbrooke Phoenix absolutely rolling right now, riding a, yeah, a winning streak of 14-0-1 in their last 15 games. Uh, speaking of the top 10, should probably go through that quickly. Uh, Sherbrooke, as I mentioned, number one. Oshawa back up to number two. Moncton goes to three. Then you have three teams from the dub. Everett, Prince Albert, and Edmonton. The Windsor Spitfires are 7. Shakutami comes in at 8. The Ottawa 67s hold steady at 9. And the Peterborough Peets get into the top 10 to close things out. Honorable mentions go to Cape Breton, Lethbridge, and the Kamloops Blazers. Back to the queue. The uh, leading scorers, uh, still the, the trio from Rumouski. Cedric Paré with 47 points. Alexi Lafreniere with 46. And uh, Dimitri Zavgaradny uh, Continuing uh, the hot hand that he showed at the um, the two games in the Canada-Russia series, he's got 40 points, all three of those guys, with Romuski. In the Ontario Hockey League, the uh, top team right now are the Oshawa Generals, but they are tied uh, points-wise with the Peterborough Peets. 
Pete's have played a couple of extra games, though. But a pretty competitive race at the top end of the uh, OHL's East Division and the East Conference, uh, for that matter. The Ottawa 67s are playing well. So are the Sudbury Wolves. And in the West, well, the London Knights keep rolling. 7-0-0-1 in their last eight outings. Now sitting in a three-way tie going into this weekend's play with Owen Sound and Erie for top spot in the uh, Midwest Division with 22 points. But there are three teams ahead of them in the conference. Saginaw, Flint, and Windsor in that order out of the West Division. So it's uh, a bit uh, convoluted, and, and I guess that parity makes uh, for uh, more excitement for the fans. You never know you know, if one team is dominating the way. Uh, it takes a little of the excitement out of it. When it comes to leading scores in the Ontario Hockey League, well, Connor McMichael is still playing out of his mind hockey right now. He's got 41 points. Up next, Arthur Callia from Hamilton and Quinton Byfield of the Sudbury Wolves have 39. Jan Jenik or Jan Jenik or Jan Yenik or Jan Yenik of the Hamilton Bulldogs. He has 38 points. I'll have to get Chris Abbott, the uh, new play-by-play guy there. I'll have to get him on the show, uh, and he can tell me uh, the correct pronunciation of uh, his name. And Sean Jostling rounds out the top five uh, scores in the OHL. He's got 36 points right now. In the WHL, uh, top team, statistically speaking, are uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Everybody's kind of been off for the last few days because of the uh, Canada-Russia series. Uh, but the Oil Kings have uh, 30 points. However, the Everett Silvertips have the uh, highest winning percentage. They're at uh, 765 because they've played three fewer games than the Oil Kings and have uh, three less points. So, uh, four less points, excuse me. Kamloops leads the BC division right now. With a game in hand on uh, Vancouver and uh, a four-point cushion right now over the Giants. But still tight races everywhere uh, throughout the Western Hockey League as well. You can get to the uh, scoring leaders in the dub. Connor Zeri back on top. He's got 30 points, but so does Alexi Protus. Uh, Oliver Ocular, who I mentioned earlier, he and Zane Franklin right behind those two. They have 29 points, and Dylan Cousins playing very well. He has uh, 28 points. So you got a couple Gamblers Blazers, a couple Lethbridge Hurricanes in the top five. For many players, the next step after the WHL or the Canadian Hockey League in general is a U sport. So let's go to the standings in the OUA East Conference. And Carlton still on top of the conference. They are 10-2 and this year. Trois-Rivières is next, followed by Ottawa and Concordia. McGill in fifth. We'll go OUA West and Toronto. Leads the way. Uh, Windsor does have a game in hand and are in second place, followed by Brock Ryerson and then Guelph Western Lakehead uh, further down the standings. Uh, in the Atlantic Conference, uh, UNB has pulled even now with the Acadia Axemen, both with a 9-3 and record. St. Mary's and uh, Les Aigles Bleus from Moncton are hot on their heels. And in Canada West... The University of Alberta now with a 9-1 record are in first place. Mount Royal has slipped past uh, Calgary into second place. And those dinos from uh, UFC are in third. The Saskatchewan Huskies are fourth. The top 20 in the CJHL Junior A hockey in Canada has uh, changed a little bit. The Brooks Bandits slip out of the number one spot. Now it's the Battleford's North Stars out of the uh, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. They are Number one, Brooks is two. Uh, the Powassan Voodoos are three. Longueuil out of uh, Quebec are in a fourth spot. 
The Sherwood Park Crusaders move up a spot to uh, number five, followed by the Toronto Patriots, the Thunder Bay North Stars. Timmins is eighth, Carlton Place is nine, and the Wellington Dukes are ten. Eleven through twenty go Okotoks, Coquitlam, Steinbach, Summerside, Valleyfield. The Penticton V's are sixteen, Princeville are seventeen, Salmon Arm, Portage, the Oakville Blades round out the top twenty. Let's uh, check in on the NCAA right now and uh, the USCHO uh, Division One men's poll. Uh, While well, this is, you talk about parity, five teams uh, are receiving first place votes now on the poll. Minnesota State got 25 of the 50 first place votes, so only half the people who uh, have a vote picked Minnesota State, but the they are the number one ranked team. Denver slips from one to two. They got 15 of the uh, votes. Cornell, who is off to a 4-0 start, they're ranked number three, followed by Notre Dame and Massachusetts. Uh, all five of those teams, though, getting at least one vote uh, to be the number one ranked team. Number six is the defending uh, two-time champs, Minnesota Duluth. And then you've got Clarkson, Penn State, North Dakota. And Providence is uh, 10. 11 through 20 goes Ohio State, UMass Lowell followed by Harvard, Northeastern, Wisconsin, Boston College, Bowling Green still at 17. Then you got Northern Michigan, Omaha, and uh, Western Michigan is at 20. NCAA games of note this weekend. Uh, Notre Dame is in Wisconsin, so that's the number four against the number 15 squad. The Golden Gophers are hosting uh, Penn State. The Nittany Lions are number eight. Big win in the ECAC tonight, Cornell Ranked number three, take on number seven, ranked Clarkson. Northeastern and Providence are, are both ranked at 14 against 10 going up there in a Hockey East action in the NCHC. You have number 19 taking on number 20 as Nebraska-Omaha visits Western Michigan in Kalamazoo. And North Dakota is in Denver at Magnus Arena tonight uh, to start their weekend series against the Pioneers. Okay, that's going to do it for the news and notes portion. Now let's get to what's coming down the pipe today. We're going to start with an in-the-dub segment, also our CHL Insider segment. Uh, Glenn Erickson from Dub Network is going to join us. He's going to tell us about the U-17 Hockey Challenge that went into Medicine Hat and Swift Current last week. The CHL Insider segment is, uh, as always, brought to you by the store next door out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, employing people with disabilities and uh, uh, doing a great job of uh, giving back to the community and turning some junk into some really useful stuff, too. What they do is they collect as many broken hockey sticks as they can, and they take those sticks and they, uh, their staff, they uh, transform them into, you know, uh, deck chairs and uh, park benches and uh, tables and uh, picture frames and uh, outdoor games when you're uh, camping and, and things like that or out at the lake and uh, you want to play uh, like a beanbag toss game. They got lots of lots of really cool stuff. Uh, check them out at the store next door.ca. So after we hear from uh, Glenn Erickson, we will uh, speak with Johan Lindemann Carlson. He's a scout based in Europe, scoutsforhockeyprospect.com, and we ta- chat with him about some of the key guys that you need to know for the uh, 2020 NHL draft that are playing overseas. Four of them are Swedes and uh, one German, who's really piquing my personal interest right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to endeavor to get uh, Tim Stutzel on the uh, show sooner as opposed to later. Uh, so Johan uh, will join us, and you'll uh, hear from him in the second guest segment. And we're going to end it today with a couple of a 2020 draft spotlight segments. We'll start with Danny Waite, who 
was on that uh, really exceptionally deep U.S. Uh, U18 squad last year where just about every player uh, was drafted. Well, one of them is Danny Waite, and uh, from that team, he's now playing in the BCHL with the Penticton Bs and having a really impressive season there. So uh, Danny Waite will be in the spotlight, and uh, we will end today's show with another 2020 draft spotlight uh, with Joel Sexsmith of the Red Deer Rebels, who is an Edmonton area kid and a great story of perseverance that uh, I think you'll uh, really, after you hear it and you hear uh, Joel talk about it, I think you'll find uh, this is a guy you'll be pulling for. Uh, from now on so really good show great slate of guests we will start it off with glenn erickson we go in the dub with our chl insider next here on the pipeline show i'm trey fitzwalanski of the edmonton oil kings at his own blue line now fitzwalanski cutting in right circle dances around his man to his backhand forehand he scores oh my goodness trey fitzwalanski what a move what a shot what a goal. Oh, mama. And this is the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Make it better. Turn up the good. Turn down the suck. This is The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and uh, we're going to have an in-the-dub segment brought to you by uh, our friends at dubnetwork.ca, and we're going to chat about some uh, WHL items. We're going to start, though, with the World U-17s, which uh, happen to be played in WHL territory uh, through uh, the last week in both Swift Current and Medicine Hat. And uh, a guy who was there for part of it is uh, joining me now, Glenn Erickson from Dub Network. Uh, welcome back to the show, Glenn. Boy, it's only been, a, what, about uh, a month or so since you were last on. So uh, I appreciate you making the time once again. Yeah, nice to be back. Thanks very much for the invitation. All right. When you look back at the, the week that was and uh, from what you saw at the U-17, uh, what stood out to you in a tournament like that? I mean, these guys are draft eligible in most of them in 2021, so lots can change, but uh, who who stood out to you? Well, for me, Guy, it, it's, um, it started slowly, really. Um, I attended uh, some of the early games uh, and, and a pre-tournament game in Medicine Hat, and 
And at that point, you know, my expectations were pretty high, and, and I think initially I, I felt maybe a bit let down. But, of course, the teams had, had just kind of landed in the region, uh, the Canadian teams in particular, all three of them. Um, I didn't think they were particularly cohesive uh, all week long, uh, certainly not at the beginning of the week, that's for sure. I mean, trying to get used to each other, not a lot of chemistry. This could be picked up as the week went on, and um, there was there were a few of us who attended quite a few games in in Medicine Hat. I got to Swift Current for one day, the uh, the final day of the uh, preliminary round. There were a couple of games in particular I wanted to see in Swift Current, but um, just the overall speed, uh, the puck movement really seemed to improve as the week went on. Um, it wasn't real physical hockey. Uh, I found that interesting, and I broached that subject with a few of the the youngsters I was able to speak with. Um, uh, certainly wasn't as as physical as what some of these young guys experience uh, in in the Western Hockey League. But all in all, uh, you know what? It it was pretty entertaining. Um, and as the week moved on, um, you know, I think there there were some surprises. We certainly expected more from the Canadian teams, but uh, a couple of those international teams just uh, progressively got better as the week went on, and and that showed in the final standings. Well, and Russia ends up winning the tournament. The U.S. Uh, is in second. The uh, Canada has not won this tournament uh, since 2016 and actually only one win uh, in the last decade. Uh, and uh, somebody asked me recently about this and just Canada has three teams that get entered where everybody else has won. Is that a disadvantage for Canada? I, th- I think I understand why they do it. More exposure, more experience for young players. But if you're trying to build a, a winning team, wouldn't it make more sense to have one team? Um, so uh, wh- what do you think of the way Canada yeah. does it? You know, I agree on all counts, uh, Guy. You know what? Uh, you, you bring 66 players in and you split them up into three teams. Um, you know, let's suppose uh, that the formula was to bring uh, the top 25 players in, and I think that uh, I think you would, you know, see a, a different product, uh, a different level of play, uh, because of course you'd have all of the elite players. Um, but that group of 66 players, I understand why Hockey Canada is is. Um, is going that route. Um, you know, they're, they're planning for future, um, international events. You know, it, it, it makes sense to me. Um, you know what? If you only had one Canadian team, um, and you wanted an 18 tournament, I think chances are you would be bringing in some international size that would really water down the quality of play as well. Sure. So, yeah. um, it's, you know, what's, I guess the, you know, you and I have heard it a million times. It, it is what it is. Um, you know, some of those teams, I mean, if they can uh, establish some chemistry and, and, uh, and, and that cohesiveness right out of the gate, they're likely going to have some success. But you know what? I, I think, uh, some of the teams that, uh, had played together a lot more prior to the event kind of rose to the top, uh, when we got to the medal round. Did you see the Americans and the Russians uh, played? Maybe not against each other, but, uh, through the tournament, did you get a chance to see those teams? Yeah, the U.S. team was based in um, the the group that uh, that played in Medicine Hat, and uh, they were they were certainly the top team in in their group. You know, a guy like Chaz uh, Lucius was just terrific offensively, ten points, led the tournament in scoring. Uh, a couple other guys uh, really stood out to me was a guy named Sean Barron's a defenseman. Uh, he was was really involved uh, involved offensively uh, he looked like a guy who had the latitude from the coaching staff to um, to, to jump into the play uh, whenever he felt there was an opportunity I thought he was just terrific now another another fellow on the US team Sasha Pastajov um, always seemed to be in the mix you know he had seven points in eight games um, you know good playmaker a great skater so um, it was interesting to watch some of the 
the players who who sort of stood out to me on the U.S. team, I got to see them um, a little more than the Russian team. Uh, the last day of the uh, preliminary round games, Russia played Sweden in Swift Current, and that was an afternoon game. I, I arrived at the arena in Swift Current um, midway through the first period. That was a game I wanted to see because to that point, Russia had lost their first two games. And, of course, these are, you know, your defending champions, right? And, and Sweden looked very good out of the gate. And uh, it was interesting, that game, Russia went into the third period trailing, came back, had a great third period, won the game, and run the table after that game against Sweden. Uh, Russia just caught fire, and it seemed to stem uh, from the success against Sweden. When Russia arrived uh, for the quarterfinal you know, had they were very good. You know, Nikita Chibrikov and outstanding on the power play. Proker Poltapov. Uh, um, the Canadian team in the quarterfinal, they gave the Russians plenty of opportunities on the power play, and that was an absolute killer. Russia got out to a 5 nothing lead about uh, 14 minutes remaining in the um, um, second period. It was over. And uh, Russia was full marks in, in that game, totally dominant. And, uh, of course, they did the same thing when they went back to Swift Current for a semi against the Czech Republic. And um, they were obviously very good in the gold medal game when uh, when they took it to the USA, uh, 6-2 for a gold medal. Repeat, eh? yep. defending champs. Yep, back-to-back. Uh, the uh, top-scoring Canadian in the tournament, Shane Wright, uh, with seven points uh, through the event. I guess Zach Dean also had seven points, but... Uh, Shane Wright gets the exceptional status uh, from Hockey Canada. He's playing in the OHL and uh, is his, one of his team's leading scorers. Uh, Matthew Savoy does not get the exceptional status. He's played five games with the Winnipeg Ice, only has one point this year. Think Hockey Canada got that right, or is it uh, too early to judge here with uh, Savoy because he hasn't played a whole lot? Um, maybe in fairness to Savoy, um, the sample size might be a little small, but as far as Shane Wright goes at the U-17, absolutely as advertised, uh, dominant. Uh, physically, he's a lot bigger uh, than Matthew, Matthew Savoy, so um, you know I think not as susceptible uh, to, to some of the challenges that the high traffic areas can present. Um, Shane Wright really shoot the puck hard. Um, Savoy was interesting. I did have an opportunity to, to speak with both players, but with Matthew, um, in the first game, he had three of his five points. So he was pretty good out of the gate early. And in that hockey game, too, um, he, took, he took a couple of shots off the same ankle in the first period and just didn't seem to be the same after that. I, I broached that subject with him after that first game. I said, geez, you know, you took a couple of hard knocks there. And, you know, he acknowledged it, and he also said, you know what, that's part of our game plan. Uh, what they wanted to do in Team White is, is, as much as they could, they wanted to get into shooting lanes and block shots. Well, when one of your key offensive contributors, um, you know, takes a couple of hard ones off the ankle, and my goodness, these young players shoot the puck hard. Um, I think that, um, you know, if, if the truth be told, he may have been hobbled, um, you know, through, through the remainder of the week. But again, Shane Wright was a guy who played in all situations for Team Black. He was a guy they counted on in overtime. Team Black was the only team that went undefeated in the preliminary round. Yeah. Problem is, they won all three of their games in overtime, and with the three-point system, uh, they finished one point behind the United States in their group, and subsequently that you know has an impact on seeding for uh, for the medal round but um you know what Shane Wright absolutely as advertised uh, of the WHLers that you had a chance to watch in the U17 uh, who stood out that uh, had a good tournament 
Well, you know what, we talk about Matt Savoy a little bit. Um, you know, Cole Sillinger, who has had a terrific year out of the gate with um, the Medicine Hat Tigers. He was very good. He scored five goals. And, you know, he scored some timely uh, goals for, for Team White. Um, he was in his element playing at home in, in Medicine Hat. He spoke to that over the course of the week. He, he really enjoyed the experience and, and I think really enjoyed having the experience uh, you know, in his home rink. Uh, Dylan Gunther, I thought, was, was pretty good. Um, you know, good skater um, in, in comparison to, to the rest of the age class over the course of the week. Really, I thought he was snake bit early in the tournament. Um, had a lot of opportunities to put the puck in that. He wasn't able to capitalize. That changed late in the week. And he, uh, he lit the lamp a couple of times. And uh, I think uh, he's a player who will leave the tournament feeling a little better about how it finished. Uh, rather than how it started. Uh, Carson Lambos, of course, a teammate of, of uh, Matt Savoy's with the Winnipeg Ice, uh, made the t- uh, tournament all-star team, uh, played in a lot of different situations. Uh, you know, physically, he's not a very imposing guy, so um, he's got to you know, he's got to play smart, um, and I think he did, and, and, and I think observers would, would agree that, uh, you know, full marks for that, um, getting the nod as far as the tournament all-star team goes. One guy I really liked... Um, Although I don't think any um, Team Canada goaltender really established themselves over the tournament. Perhaps Thomas Mielitz with Team Red, uh, pretty good numbers. But uh, Tyler Brennan, the Prince George Cougars, um, you know what? He um, he played he played some heavy minutes against some tough teams. Um, you know, I spoke to him about uh, the experience he's having in Prince George. Of course, he's playing behind Taylor Gauthier up there, which means that uh, he might end up with you know limited starts. Um, you know, as a young guy, but you know, he's 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 a big physical presence in the net, and and probably a guy that Cougars can hang their hat on for uh, you know a couple of seasons after after these um, after this season. You know, depending what they do with Goche, um, you know, Tyler Brennan might uh, be the number one guy sooner rather than later in Prince George. Um, Logan Stankoven, I thought was just outstanding. Team Red, with, uh, you know, he's part of the Kamloops Blazers. I mean, I think they're the odds on uh, you know best team in the Western Conference. Certainly, I think they're. A BC division favorite, uh, and the future looks bright with a guy like uh, Logan Stankoven, who's just a terrific skater, real nose for the net, um, seems to know how to navigate traffic in the attacking zone, and a real competitive guy, too. If he happens to be the guy who loses the puck, he's on his horse, back-checking into the defending zone. Um, very impressive. The Camus Blazers have a good one there. It's funny, when you look at Sillinger, Stankoven, Gunther in this tournament, all their points, all of them, goals. Uh, no assist for any of those guys, but yeah, Sillinger five no goals, helpers, yeah. Stan Coven four goals, Gunther three goals. Uh, these guys can snipe, that's for sure. All right, let's switch gears to uh, just WHL chat right now. And uh, as we said, it's for uh, the uh, in the dub segment for uh, Dub Network, um, Glenn, we were chatting about it uh, just briefly before we started. Surprises this year in the WHL. And there's a few of them, few teams that have uh, surprised, both in a good way and maybe a little bit surprising that they're further down the standings. Uh, than uh, than we thought they would be. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, because there's a few teams in both conferences that fit that bill. Well, the U.S. division has a little bit of an attention getter there. That you know, Tri City, um, you know, maybe pegged as a team that might struggle over um, the gate. There um, have have been very good, and um, I, I kind of looked at Spokane and thought you know, this was going to be uh, you know the team to beat. But you know, Spoke I guess has been dealt a, a blow here or there I guess with the injury bug um, you know and I find it very interesting when we look at these two teams Tri-City 
lost a 20-year-old by the name of Riley Sawchuk, who's up in Edmonton. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, spoke. Uh, um, there's a 20 in Edmonton, uh, McIndoe. Yep. Yeah, Ethan McIndoe. Played, played there. So there's, and uh, the, you know, those two players are having some success with a darn good Oil Kings team. But uh, you know, having said that, I think Spokane. It took a while. You know, they they didn't get Ty Smith back uh, right out of the gate. Uh, their import goaltender has has been injured. I think they're getting good contributions from uh, you know Adam Beckman, um, who is you know led the Saskatchewan Major AAA League in scoring as a 16 year old and had a terrific rookie season in Spokane last year. Um, you know, Jack Finley, um, you know his father Jeff, um, you know longtime scout and a longtime NHL player. Uh, you know, I think Jack is is rounding into form, uh, you know, kind of growing into his body. Some of these guys at 16, 17, when they show up at 6'5", 170 pounds, you know, they can look a little bit uncoordinated as yeah. they kind of progress through that growth spurt. But when they, uh, again, grow into their body, put some weight on, and that coordination sort of returns, um, I think they, they really begin to find their way and establish themselves. So I, I like what's happening in Spokane, although out of the gate, I'm surprised that they maybe haven't gotten off to, to a better start. Yeah, especially because they got Ty Smith back and there was some concern, you know, preseason, would that happen or not? Well, they got him back early and it doesn't seem to have uh, been that big boost that uh, most of us expected it would be. And in the Eastern Conference, a similar story, you look at Lethbridge and Calgary, and, and I think a lot of people would have expected those two teams to be flipped in the standings from what reality says right now. Yeah, that's interesting. But, hey, you know what? Before the Central Division, you know, you mentioned about, uh, you know, waiting for Ty Smith to come back. You know, Think about the Saskatoon Blades, you know, yeah. waiting for Kirby Dock to come back, and, and that doesn't look like it's going to happen. So you wonder how some of these teams begin to sort of switch gears once the National Hockey League sort of um, makes some decisions that, that impact the, the rosters in the junior. And, of course, you know, that happened for both Lethbridge and Calgary. Uh, Calgary got Marcus Selleck back from Ottawa. And I thought that would you know, be a real boost. Uh, you know, he's a guy that puts the puck in the net. And, of course, certainly didn't hurt the Hurricanes to get Dylan Cousins back. And he's yeah. been absolutely on fire since uh, since he got back. So I'm encouraged that Lethbridge having some success out of the gate. We weren't 100% sure how things were going to fall into place with them with you know, elite players like Cousins and, um, you know, Kalen Addison. Uh, they're getting very good uh, goaltending, in my opinion. I, I Name escapes me. Um, you know, I know Ted Chuck is the guy there, but the fellow playing behind him, a young player, big, big goaltender, uh, I think they have a pretty good tandem there in Lethbridge, too. And that maybe gives the guys up front uh, an opportunity to play with a little more freedom and, um, you know, take some more chances. Calgary... Um, it sounds to me, in, in talking to uh, a couple of guys there that cover the team for us at Dub Network, Jeff Hollick, um, really an interesting guy, you know, suggested they've run into problems with with penalty killing, and at the same time, you know, doesn't think that their goaltending has been what they expected. Uh, certainly, if you're killing a lot of penalties, you expect your goaltender to be one of your top penalty killers. If that's not happening, my goodness, you know, you're going to chase the game. Um, from time to time, but I look for Calgary to kind of rebound. I think that there's too much talent and depth on that roster. I think they've got a big physical mobile uh, group on the back end. I know that uh, the Medicine Hat Tigers have had a tough time in Calgary um, the couple of times that they've uh, played the hitmen, and um, I think that's in large part due to the Calgary defensemen being able to slow down uh, the Tigers, who play the game at a at a real fast pace. Um, at this point, I think the Central Division is, is the most competitive in the league, and uh, you know, some good fortune for me to be able to see these teams frequently. And my goodness, we haven't even talked about uh, about the Oil Kings. Uh, 
you know, nationally ranked uh, for the last few weeks. They're finding a way to get it done, aren't they? They are, and you'll see them uh, this week. Uh, this weekend, are they actually down in Medicine Hat? Yeah. Yes, they're in Saturday Medicine night. Hat on Saturday. You, uh, then an afternoon game on Sunday back here in Edmonton. Not a not a great schedule for the Oil Kings uh, this weekend. But uh, Brian Thompson is the uh, other goaltender in Lethbridge, and I'm with you. I, you know, I I had question marks before the season about Lethbridge uh, in net, and uh, so far Carl Tedichuk and Brian Thompson have have really answered the bell there. And I agree with you in Calgary that goaltending has been a problem, and I thought that would be a concern for them. Jack McNaughton hasn't. Uh, played up to uh, what he did last year. Braden Peters is getting more and more opportunity and, and has better numbers now uh, than McNaughton in uh, fewer starts. But I wonder if it's, uh, let's see if Peters can do it, and if not, if they have to go out and uh, find a, a more veteran goaltender uh, somewhere else in the league. Um, one other thing we wanted to chat about was uh, attendance in the uh, WHL this year. I'm certainly seeing it in, in Edmonton. To my eye, it seems to be down this year, and I'm hearing it around the league as well. Uh, are you noticing it as, uh, from where you are? It's you know it's really surprising to me. Um, you know, having had the opportunity to, to to spend you know 13, 14 years in Kelowna and and attend uh, Western Hockey League games in a facility that uh, I think is a terrific size for junior hockey, and and in a market uh, you know where there has been some success and and tremendous support. Uh, you know, in a building that'll accommodate 6,000 people in Kelowna, when you put 4,500 people in there, you're going to see some empty seats, but it certainly does, um, you know, create a, a terrific atmosphere. Uh, in Medicine Hat here, what a spiffy building this is. Canalta Center, I think capacity about 7,100. Uh, they're struggling to draw 2,500 a game. And uh, having said that, there is still atmosphere. It is loud in this building, um, but... My goodness, if they ever put 5,000 in here, 3,880, that is kind of the, the average number when I look at the Western Hockey League website, 202 games played this year, 3,880 average attendance. It skewed a little bit in Regina because of the outdoor classic that attracted about about 15,000 fans. But right. uh, So there's a little bump in, in Regina's overall um, average attendance. But when I look at a number, it's 3,880 fans on average. There's 12 teams in the league where their average attendance is actually less than that 3,880. Um, some of the teams in the States, of course, they're, um, they're kind of leading the way. Portland, Everett, they're getting terrific support. Edmonton, Calgary, top of the heap. You expect that. Kelowna. I'm looking for a bit of a spike in Kamloops where I think the Blazers are just a terrific hockey team. That roster, I like how it's been put together. They were my early season favorite to win the Western Conference. Um, I think they are aggressively trying to sell more tickets. They're telling people that there are good seats available, and I think they're going to fill them. That's a hockey team that can play it any way you want to. You want to play tough and try and grind it out against them, I think they'll beat you that way. Uh, they've got the guys who can play with pace and skill. They can beat you that way. They're pretty good in goal. You know, Garand is a good goaltender on the Hockey Canada radar, and I think they got a damn good goaltender in behind him and Race Ramsey, you know, who came over from the Humble Broncos this year. So uh, I think the most complete team out of the gate, sure like what's happening in Kamloops, and hopefully that uh, translates into uh, increased attendance. But at the end of the day, when, you know, Western Hockey League, Western Canada, I think a lot of it relates to economy, Guy. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, if you see the trends and that type of thing, um, I think it's an economic issue and, and a definitely a, a challenge for the league. Yeah, I agree with you uh, on that. And uh, I wonder if uh, there has to be a market correction at all with uh, ticket prices and maybe uh, concession prices. Uh, I know that's been talked about a lot here by fans 
in Edmonton uh, who are paying NHL concession prices uh, at WHL games, uh, right? Geared to a completely different fan base, and uh, that that might has to be that might have to be uh, adjusted. Glenn, uh, as always, uh, terrific to have you on again. And uh, boy, uh, if we keep it at this pace, they'll be talking in a month or so. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll do my best to to make sure that we have some fun when we have an opportunity to chat. Here's Glenn Erickson from uh, Dub Network uh, recapping the World U17 Challenge as well as uh, some of the surprising, uh, both good and bad surprises, in the WHL thus far. The uh, There are four games on tap tonight in the Western Hockey League on this uh, Friday. Prince George is up in Kamloops, Red Deer hosting Medicine Hat. Portland welcomes Spokane and the Lethbridge Hurricanes are on Vancouver Island to play Victoria. There's a uh, full slate of games on uh, Saturday. Some of the a marquee matchups. Kamloops is in Kelowna. Good rivalry there, obviously. Edmonton is on the road to take on the Medicine Hat Tigers. Calgary's in Saskatoon. It's always great when uh, Portland and Seattle get together. Same with Moose Jaw and Swift Current. Another rivalry, Spokane playing in Tri-City. And uh, Vancouver at home to uh, Prince George. All right, up next, uh, we are going to chat a little 2020 draft. It won't be draft spotlight time. We'll have a couple of those coming up later in the show, but we're going to head to Europe. Johan Lindemalm Carlson scouts for HockeyProspect.com. We're going to chat about five players you need to know for the 2020 draft. Four of them are from Sweden, one of them from Germany, all five ranked in the first round by HockeyProspect.com. That is up next here on the Pipeline Show. Hi, it's Norris Seider from the Adler Mannheim of Germany. Zwei auf eins, Isis mit Seider und gemacht sein erstes Deltor! 5-1 Mannheim, Moritz Seider. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Ooh, that's a bingo! Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We are going to chat a little uh, 2020 NHL draft uh, with another guest from HockeyProspect.com. We're going to do it all year. We had Mark Edwards on a couple of weeks ago. This week, we're heading overseas. Johan Lindemann Carlson, uh, my guest. Uh, welcome back to the show, Johan. Uh, great to talk to you again. How are things over in Sweden? It's a pleasure to be back. It's all good. Well, I appreciate you making the time. Uh, there are a number of players that we want to talk about, and uh, maybe we should start with the guys uh, right at the right near the top. And uh, HockeyProspect.com, great resource for fans who uh, want to keep up to date on uh, the NHL draft uh, for sure. And uh, one of the top-rated uh, players for the draft is Lucas Raymond, uh, who is uh, one of your fellow countrymen playing for Forlunda has off to a good start this season, and uh, you guys have him ranked number two right now in the most recent ranking, at least. Uh, tell me about Lucas Raymond and, and what he has shown you this season. He's uh, shown a lot of you know uh, offensive skills. He's uh, 
a very good skater. He can move uh, all directions at all times. He can move the puck with him as well. Uh, he's just an offensive uh, firepower and, and uh, drives the play for his team. Uh, and how has he played this year compared to last year? Are you seeing growth in his game? or How is he different? How has he taken another step in his development? Well, it's been a tough start for him. He's uh, he's had his first you know, full season in the SHL this year mm-hmm. uh, in a strong Florida team. Um, so he's played 10 games, scored two goals uh, and two points so far. Um, and he played five games in the uh, under-20 Super League 2, where right. he scored six points. So, um, you know, he shows his skills. He he can compete against men, too, which is a good thing, considering he's, he's not too big, you know? Yep. Well, but he's a very like skating is one of his stronger assets. Would you, is that fair to say? Yeah, sure it is. Um, you know, his puck game overall uh, with the skating, his hands, his shot. You know, he he can skate. You know, through defenders, basically everywhere mm-hmm. with those assets. Well, he he stood out at the Helenka Gretzky Cup uh, that was in Edmonton um, two two August ago. And uh, as an underage player, he was really impressive in that tournament, as was uh, the other uh, Swede that ranked in the top 10 by HockeyProspect.com, and that's uh, Alexander Holtz. How are those two players different? Um, for me, you know, they're, they're similar considering it's Holtz's first full essential season, too. Um, for me, the biggest difference is uh, Holtz doesn't drive the play the same way uh, Raymond does. Mm-hmm. Um but he's he's got a big role uh, for his team. Um, he scored six points, um, splitting four four goals and two assists in 15 games so far, um, and played with some some really good players too. Uh, for me, um, I can see Holtz. Um, you know, he's uh, a bigger asset for his team in the defensive zone so far. Um, maybe that's just that is bigger and stronger um but that's the biggest um, difference between them for me at least okay well let me ask you this uh last year uh holtz had 47 points yep. and raymond had uh, 48 points both of those in the uh, super elite uh, so playing junior now holtz had 30 goals and raymond had 13 goals this year holtz has more goals than raymond he's bigger than raymond um so you know they're they're both in the top ten, so there's not a lot to pick between the two of them. But Raymond is ranked higher. Uh, in, in your opinion, why is that? Uh, he's more involved overall. Okay. Uh, you know you can see Holtz is a is a superb goal scorer. He just scores at will at times. Uh, where Raymond is more involved, he can make make plays. He uh, you know does perfect zone entries and and you know. Uh, he's a bigger asset overall, I think. Uh, another player uh, from Sweden that I had on the show uh, about a month ago, I suppose, is uh, Noel Gundler, who is uh, also playing in the SHL this year with uh, Lulia. Uh, he has four points uh, so far this year. Uh, I enjoyed that conversation with him. He's, he seemed to me to be a very interesting player. Uh, what can you tell me about him? He's actually kind of similar to, to Holtz in the regard that he's a, he's a natural Goal scorer. Uh, he has an absolutely lethal shot and quick release. It's hard. 
he's very good at finding areas to receive passes to utilize his shot too. So uh, he's a very interesting player. Why do you think he doesn't get to play? You know, he didn't play in the World U18 last year. Um, I, I don't think he was part of the the uh, the recent Four Nations uh, team as well. Uh, why do you think he's not invited to play for Sweden in those events? Uh, well, I don't know. That's that's uh, up to the coaches. But there's um, there's this, this reputation of, of being kind of you know lazy defensively and, and stuff. But uh, I think that that reputation is is worse than than the reality, to be honest. Well, I like to hear that. That's good. Okay, let's yeah. go. Let's go with another Swede. Uh, this time, a defenseman with uh, William Willinder. Um, I don't know anything about him. I haven't uh, heard much about him. I know he plays for Moto, uh, but he's not in the SHL. Uh, does is that does that make it tougher to sort of scout them and compare uh, Willinder to the other three that we've talked about because he's playing in a lower league? Um, not really. He plays in the same Super League, uh, under twenty league. So we'll get to see them matches at each other too. Um, so he's. He's a very big uh, puck transporting defenseman. Um, you know, in 15 games in the Super League, he scored uh, 11 points, mm-hmm. three goals, and seven, and eight assists. And he also recorded one game in the Allsvenskan that's just under the SHL. So uh, we got to see see him against men one game too so far. All right. Uh, yeah. You know, the biggest thing about Wallander is he's such a good skater. Uh, he's got a long, uh, smooth stride, and he can create, you know, space for himself just by by skating through opponents. Uh, now there have been a number of uh, Swedish defensemen uh, drafted high over the last number of years. Does he remind you of any one of those guys in particular? Well, you know, there's there's parts of a couple guys. It's it's hard to to compare uh, right off, but he's got you know uh, the skating like let's say Broberg, uh, but there's there's uh, big differences in their games overall. Well, he's uh, six foot four and uh, not quite two hundred pounds, so he's a he's a big skater, a big defenseman as well. Does he play physical? Oh yeah. Yes, very physical. Um, he can play physical. Um, you know, the game over here isn't too physical overall either. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, on defense, he uses his size to, to, um, uh, ping guys along the boards and he has good reach uh, and a good defensive stick. Um, he can be kind of mean against players in front of his own net. So that's, that's a good thing too. Uh, I wanted to ask about Zion Nybeck, if I pronounced that correctly. Um, he's, he's a smaller yep. player. But uh, I know there are a lot of people who like him a lot. He's not in the top uh, in the first round for HockeyProspect.com right now. But um, having uh, he's got 25 points in 18 games for HV71 with their junior team at least, and I know he's played at, at least one yeah. game in the SHL. But um, he's a bit small, but there seems to be lots of skill there. Yeah, there's there's much to like there. Uh, like you say, he's very undersized, but he. Uh, He's got so much skills, you know. Um, great hands. He sees the eyes very well. He uh, he can create offense, you know, in every shift. He's out on the ice. Um, so there's there's very much like there. Will size hold him back, or do you think he can play at the level, you know, at an NHL level 
uh, despite not being, you know, six foot tall. He's, he's the sheet I'm looking at uh, says five eight and 176 pounds. So he's he's not very tall, but weight wise, he's not that far off. Yeah, you know, he's he's gonna have a uphill battle to to fight here, uh, um, considering his size. But he's a tough kid. He's uh, you know, um, super high skills. So um, he has to prove some some people, you know, wrong in this case. But I think he he can play um, at the high level, of course. All right, Johan. One more player I wanted to ask you about, and it's a, a German uh, who is playing for Adler Mannheim, uh, same team that uh, Mort Sider was playing for last year, and he ended up being a uh, a top ten pick. And uh, a lot of people seem to like Tim Stutzel as well. Uh, I haven't seen him play, but again, a guy with uh, a lot of skill and. Uh, you, there's a lot of highlight reel uh, video of him out there already. You've seen him. What can you tell me about him? Uh, the, the first thing that stood out about him was that he uh, he actually drives to play for for his team. He's on the first line in Mannheim, um, and you know his team counts on him to to create scoring chances and and play well. Uh, and he does that with you know the highest grade. Um, He's a very good skater. He's got a quick stride and, and good speed. Um, like you said, he, he creates highlight reel uh, chances and goals. Um, you know, uh, super soft hands, good stick handling. Uh, and this is a guy that works very hard too. Um, you know, both ways. More of a playmaker than a than a shooter. I, I know he's, he has 15 points in 17 games. Uh, most of those are assists. He's got four goals. Uh, along the way, but I look at his, you know, last year, the year before, he he does score. So is it maybe just now that he's playing against men right now? For now, he is a, a setup guy, or do you do you see him being more of a a playmaker at the next level? Um, from what I've seen, he's a pass first kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he can make brilliant plays, um, but his shot is actually underrated for me. Yeah, he's got an accurate shot. It's, it's not the hardest shot, but he's got a quick release, and, and I think he can score some goals too. Yeah. Well, he played at the World U18 at Division One World U18 last year and uh, had nine points in five games. He even played for the, the for Germany uh, the year before at the U18, so as a double underage player and had four four points in five games there. So this is a guy we should expect yeah. to see, you know, in the World Junior Championship and things like that again this year, right? Yeah, most likely, I think so. All right. Well, uh, Johan, I really appreciate your time. I know you're going to a game uh, right after we hang up, so I won't keep you any longer. Uh, thanks for doing this. I hope we can chat again. Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure every time. There you go. There's a look at uh, some Euros that you need to know for the 2020 draft. I'm sure we'll talk to Johan again as the season goes on. All the guys at HockeyProspect.com do such a great job, Mark was uh, tweeting earlier today about uh, how they're putting together their next ranking. So expect that in the next little while at HockeyProspect.com. Next up, uh, the twenty twenty, the first 2020 Draft Spotlight uh, segment of this week's episode. We're going to chat with a player who was overlooked last year. Well, I don't think that's going to happen again in uh, June of 2020 because he is off to a fantastic start. Change of scenery for him as he's done with the U.S. National Development Program. This year, he's playing in the BCHL for the Penticton V's. Danny Waite is my guest. You'll hear from him next here on the Pipeline Show.
Hey, it's Tyson Jost from the Pentecton Vs. Jost racing back at center by himself. End to end. Jost shooting scores! Tyson Jost does it himself. End to end with 2.11 to go. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. One hope for all that my mama showed to me from the moment I first met Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Joe Pavelski. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Johnny Gaudreau. And Tori Krupp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. We are back on The Pipeline Show. We're going to turn on the 2020 draft spotlight. Uh, we're going to do it twice in this week's episode. And the first time, we're going to head out to the Penticton Vs, and uh, we're going to chat with one of their star forwards, uh, Danny Waite. Uh, welcome to The Pipeline Show. Danny, how are you? Thank you. I'm doing good. Uh, it's great to be here, and I'll talk about the season. So. I'm excited. Well, I appreciate you making the time. I know it's a busy time. Yeah, the V's coming off a, a game last night, and you got one tomorrow night as well. Uh, last night's game didn't go your way, but a really tough battle with uh, the team you're neck and neck with in the division. How'd it go? Well, obviously, I know it didn't go well, but uh, what went wrong for you guys last night against Salmon Arm? Yeah, um, we didn't come out with two points, but uh, we uh, we played really well. We uh, stuck with our systems, uh, got pucks deep. Uh, we were physical. We just uh, didn't get the two points, but... I think there's a lot of positives coming out of the game, and um, we weren't sagging our head after the game. We uh, we were came out with a lot of positives, so uh, we plan again this Friday, and hopefully it's a different story. But uh, now we're just getting rest, and I'm um, looking forward to the game. So, well, so far this year, it's been a good season for the V's, and that's nothing new. This is a, a franchise that's uh, one of the perennial powerhouse uh, teams in the BCHL. But uh, you're new to the league. Um, maybe take me through what your expectations were coming into this year. How, how how much you knew about the BCHL and about the V's in particular? Yeah, um, I didn't know too much. I wasn't really familiar with uh, the league coming from the states, but uh, it's, it's been great. It's been everything I expected. Um, I mean, every team's so good. Uh, it's it's a great league, and um, travel's nice and easy. It's not too bad, so it's it's been great. Uh, Penticton's been awesome. The city is great. I mean, the the people here are great. They love hockey, so. Uh, yeah, I couldn't ask for more. The league's been great, and you know everyone loves hockey in Canada, so it's uh it's cool coming back to Canada for a little bit just to uh, test it out and see it. Yeah, it's a pretty nice part of North America to to be uh, playing in, especially uh, when it comes January and you kind of get out of winter for the most part, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, what led you to Penticton? You, you said you weren't all that familiar with the team or with the league, yet you ended up there. So how did that happen for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So Freddie just Freddie Harbinson just recruited me and. Um, kind of just got me familiar with it, and I uh, took a visit and saw the facilities, and it was just it was just couldn't turn it down. It's uh they have world class facilities here at Penn, and um yeah, just the coaching staff and the players they were bringing in, I just knew that it was gonna be a really good year, and um just try, trying to come out of here with a championship. So it's been great so far, and we're just gonna try to keep it going. 
Well, yourself, uh, Jay O'Brien is there as well, former first-round pick of the Philadelphia Flyers, played a little college hockey last year. I don't know if you guys crossed paths at all uh, on your way to uh, Penticton, uh, if you played together in the past or anything like that, but some familiarity there with you, and I know there's been other Americans who have gone to Penticton in the past, so it's it's not exactly like you're uh, blazing a trail. Um, does that help, knowing that there's mm-hmm. been other guys who are in your shoes who have taken the same path? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um... Uh, Cade Weber is also on our team. He was uh, drafted by Carolina. He was right. uh, he played a bunch of games last year with our uh, the national team with us. So uh, yeah, it was good having him here. And uh, yeah, Jay, I kind of knew Jay from uh, just summer skates and kind of just just around hockey. So I knew him and uh, Tristan Amante. Uh, so just, yeah, those guys. It was easy. Uh, it was an easy change coming here having those guys there. But I mean, uh, our whole team's great. If they weren't there, it's, it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, we got a bunch of good guys and bonded really well so yeah these guys are all great so it's been good big difference in uh, the the level of competition at all from last year i mean you played with the u.s program you get to play that split schedule where you play in a bunch of games in the ushl a, a bunch against uh, college teams division one teams and then that international uh, component as well mm-hmm. so that, uh, that's a really unique sort of situation for for a player to go through this year with in the bchl is it does it feel different in any way um no, I mean, it's the same. It's, it's just hockey. Um, I mean, last year we, we, we played probably around 60 games, and it's the same this year. We're playing a lot of games. So right. um, you just kind of take, take it day by day and game by game, and uh, it's, it's pretty easy when you do it like that. But uh, I think it, it's fun It's fun being in a league with uh, where, where you play every game in, in a league and not kind of go back and forth and have all those exhibition games. So it's kind of fun this year being in a league and having standings and all that stuff. Uh, it gets you up for every game, and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been fun. Danny Waite of the Penticton V's is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in our 2020 Draft Spotlight segment. And, uh, Danny, what we like to do in this part of the show is let my audience kind of get to know somebody that's in your position, being a draft-eligible player. And uh, I would have had you on last year. I actually tried to get as many of you guys on uh, from the program uh, as I could last year, and uh, there were just so many requests on such a ridiculously deep team that it didn't happen. So I'm I'm glad I was able to get you uh, this year. Um so for the benefit of the audience, a lot of people will, well, I think a lot of people, especially where I am in Edmonton, will know who your dad is, but not be as familiar with Danny Waite. Uh, so let's get a bit of background. Yeah. Uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Oh, uh, yeah. So I was, uh, I was born in Edmonton, Alberta when my dad was playing on the Oilers. And, um, I was actually, I was just there for two weeks and then <laughs> he got traded to St. Louis. So packed the stuff up and, uh, headed to St. Louis when I was about two weeks old. And then, um, Started my minor hockey there in St. Louis with the uh, Junior Blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew up there for about seven years and then bounced around to Carolina and Anaheim. Um, and then moved to New York when I was about 10 and uh, played for the Junior Islanders there for about six years. And then uh, two years ago, I moved to uh, uh, Plymouth, Michigan for the uh, development team. So that was, that was a really cool experience to, to do that. And um, yeah, now I'm here. So it's been a cool experience. I uh, have my dad... Uh, moving a bunch of places and being a pro hockey player and yeah. getting travel with him. Yeah. So it's been cool. Be- because you were actually born in Edmonton, you were only here for a couple of weeks, as you said. I think the Oilers were uh, out in the first round that year, and then, then your dad was yeah. uh, moved on to St. Louis. But because you were born here, do you actually have dual dual citizenship? Yep, I'm a dual citizen. Wow, yeah. look at that. All right. Yeah, sneaked it out. Yeah, you, obviously Doug Wade is uh, uh, one of the uh, fan favorite uh, Oilers of the past, uh, and I am here in Edmonton, so I would have to uh, ask you a little bit about that and uh, getting to play and grow up 
uh, for a former uh, Oilers star like that. Do you think that gives you a bit of an advantage you know, when it comes to uh, development uh, for for hockey? Having that mindset, I mean, you have a not just a coach in your house, but you know, one of the best Edmonton Oilers of the past thirty years. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, it's obviously an advantage. Um, he has such a good hockey mind that whether it's him doing video with me after a game or him just going over stuff that I need to do better, uh, I just I soak it all in and really listen to him, and yeah, it helps me a lot. And um, yeah, it's been great having him and. All, all the experiences that he went through and everything he went through, and I was kind of there to to watch that and uh, experience that. That was cool and taught me a lot. So he's been great for me, and yeah, I, I I'm so lucky to have him. The natural question would be, how often do you get asked, uh, you know, if you have similar traits or you know, are you comparable to your dad? And that's a tough one to answer because he was such a an accomplished yeah. NHLer. But I guess I'll ask the question too: Do you see any similarities in the way you two play? Yeah. Um. I think we're, uh, we both see the ice really well and both have, uh, good hands. That's probably our uh, strongest traits. So, uh, I think obviously he had, uh, at, at this time he had a little better hands than I had, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to keep working and try to, uh, get to where he was. So, uh, yeah. Before you got to the program, did you know playing for the U.S. program was something you, you always wanted to do or how did that come about for you, that opportunity? Cause I know it's, it's, uh, you know, there's only 25 guys or so a year that get that opportunity and you, you got to be part of a, a pretty special group. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I had my mindset on making that team for my whole life pretty much. Uh, that was, that was the goal. Um, just my dad playing on, USA Olympic teams and all that just I don't know just really made me want to wear the USA crest and make that team so uh yeah that was a big goal of mine and I made it and uh that was huge and uh yeah I was pumped about that and yeah what was <laughs> it, a, it was it a tough roster to be a part of in in one way because I mean you're uh, what there was two or three guys who didn't get drafted from that team and you, you happen to be one of them mm-hmm. um yeah, but it was such a deep team that I imagine there were guys playing on the fourth line. You might have been one of them. I, I don't know who on any other team would have been a, a second or a first line guy. But because of how deep that team was, maybe you didn't get the the opportunity you would have elsewhere. Was it at all tough in from that perspective? Yeah, yeah, it, it was tough for sure. Um, being on that deep of a team. I mean, you, you had we had six first round forwards, so yeah. that's half the forwards in your team going in the first round. So yeah, of course it's tough, but. Um, I don't really look at it like that. Um, just kind of look at it where you have practice against these, the best players in the world. You practice against them every day. You get better like that. Um, all the facilities, they're world class. I mean, working out every day. So I think I just tried to take advantage of the time there. And so I wasn't getting a lot of ice time. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about that. I was just trying to get stronger and get better. Uh, kind of prepare myself for next year when I have more of a, uh, more of a spot, like you said. So I'm um, just going to try to take advantage of that now. And that's where you are now with Penticton, where you are one of the go-to guys. You're second in team scoring right now with 30 points in 24 games. I gotta feel like you're you're pretty happy with the way things have gone so far for you. And are you do you feel like you're getting a little bit more attention, a little bit more spotlight time this year, and that you're draft eligible again? I know Central Scouting has you on their list. Uh, you feel like this year's going a little bit more according to plan? Yeah, I wouldn't say more according to plan. Um. I think that I'm just kind of, I'm just, I just kind of got put in a better situation. Um, and I'm getting some more ice time, but yeah, I, I just, I want to take the most of this opportunity and try to get drafted. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a good year so far. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been good. Uh, teams rolling and everyone on our team's clicking. So just try to keep us going so that we, uh, continue all of our successes. 
for those of us who haven't had a, a, a chance to watch you uh, in person, um, how would you describe yourself as a player? Can you give us a, a bit of a self scouting report? Yeah, um, I think I'm a uh, I'm a pretty flashy, uh, skilled uh, playmaker. Um, I have good hands. I have good vision. Uh, I'm good in low. I like to get to the net, and uh, I like to get physical and get chirpy on the ice. So, kind of be an agitator. Eleven goals right now, nineteen assists. Do you see yourself more as a setup guy or or a, a shooter? Uh, I, I think I'm I think I'm pass first guy, but uh, but I love getting that. I love scoring goals, so I'll never I'll never turn down a goal. But uh, I think I'm pass first. Yeah. One of the things I always uh, follow up when somebody tells me they're as you just said, just said pass first. How often the coach says, "Be a little bit more selfish, shoot the puck because you can score." Yeah. Um, my coach tells me that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he tells me I got, he tells me I got a better shot than I, I give myself credit for. So I should probably listen to him and take some more shots. <laughs> but when your, your natural instinct is to be that, that pass first guy, is it, is it tough to flick that mental switch to, to, uh, you know what? I gotta, I gotta shoot the puck more. Yeah. I, I think, I think for pass first guys, you kind of, you kind of need a lot of open space. Like when you want to shoot. So when guys are on you, you kind of want to pass. You don't want to shoot it, but. Oh, that's something you kind of, when you get to the next level, you got to learn that you just got to shoot pucks when guys are on you. You got to get it off quick. And um, I think that's something I got to work on too. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough because I'm, I'm always looking to set someone up. I always want to be the guy dishing the puck out. So uh, yeah, it's tough, but still work on scoring too. So <laughs> they're both good. Speaking of the next level, uh, Boston College is your uh, NCAA Division One uh, school of choice. Uh, getting to play for Jerry Orca, I think that for a lot of people, that would be the attraction right there. But but why was Boston College the right fit for you? Yeah, just just the coaching staff. Uh, all the guys there are so good. Uh, they have a lot of confidence in me, and they're uh, they're really good to me. So, uh, yeah, just the coaching staff and the location. It's it's, re- it's right close to home, so that's that's cool too. I'm from New York, so it's about a three hour drive. So that's nice. And uh, just the school. It's a great school, great academic school, and great hockey school, obviously. And yeah, I just great coaching staff so i couldn't ask for more in school i know really the, excited. i know there are some uh, former teammates who are at uh, bc right now so you'll get to join them next year mm-hmm. and uh but uh jay o'brien going to bu next year so uh you know you're good buddies right now but you're mm-hmm. gonna be button heads next year you guys talk about that already yeah yeah whenever he gives me a bump in practice he, he goes <laughs> up to me and he says i'll see you in the bean pot next year so uh, i always get a laugh out of that yeah uh, we, we know though it'll be funny though but uh we'll see each other a bunch in, in boston so it'll be good now, now I know your dad went to Lake Superior. Was there any thought in following his footsteps, or did you always have it in your mind? You know what? I'm going to blaze my own trail. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I kind of, I don't know, just Boston. I just wanted to be in Boston, so yeah, that's that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. But I uh, know Lake Superior State's a good school too. But my dad really didn't have pressure on me to, to want to go to his school or anything like that. So okay, no problem. Uh, just a couple more for you, Danny. I appreciate your time. Is the draft on your mind much? Do you, do you, do you spend much time thinking about it? Um, no, I wouldn't say so. Uh, going through that process last year and not getting drafted was kind of was tough on me. Just kind of thought, just wanting to get picked so bad for a whole year and just not just not getting picked was pretty tough. So. I think that's kind of just, that's going on. It's in the back of my head and I'm not really going to think about it. Um, and that's, you know, it gets to the point where I'm going to get drafted and the, the draft's coming up, but uh, I'm just not going to think about it until that. Cause, uh, when you start thinking about that stuff, it just gets in your head and starts distractions and all that stuff. So I'm just going to think about the game and, uh, just keep winning. Did you have a, a camp invite, uh, after, right after the draft? Most NHL teams had their, their sort of summer camps, uh, for their, their prospects. Did you have a, an opportunity to go to one of those? 
Yeah, I went to the uh the New Jersey Devils camp. So okay. yeah, that was that was awesome. That experience was awesome. Uh just being with all those pro guys and um seeing how they go from day to day and how they lift and how they skate and all that stuff. Uh it was great, yeah. And did that kind of ease the disappointment at all about not getting drafted? At least you know you're you're definitely on the radar for teams. Yeah, it, yeah, it did a little bit, but yeah. um, I mean, it, I wanted to get drafted. At the end of the day, like that's my goal, so uh, that, that's that. But uh, it was really cool to get the invite. It was a great experience, and uh, yeah, that was that was a great week. So, but now it's yeah, you want you want to get drafted, so that didn't really help it too much. But yeah, I hear you. Uh, lastly, uh, you you had a chance to to be around uh, a few NHL teams uh, growing up. Did you have a favorite NHL team as a kid? Um. I think wherever my dad was was at, that's sure. what I can remember. I was just I would cheer for whoever he was with. Uh, so then obviously he was he was coaching the Islanders for the last three years before I was at the program, and um yeah, so I, I was an Islanders fan for most of that time. But uh, I mean now I'm just kind of I just like good games. I, I watch hockey, but I just like to see good games and like to watch the Leafs just because Matthews and Marner and Tavares and those guys. And, sure. Uh yeah, I just like watching good hockey. Excellent. Well, Danny, listen, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this year with the V's, and uh, certainly uh, expect things will go your way this year at the NHL Draft. Thanks for your time, man. Yep, thank you so much. Have a good one. Danny Waite to the Penticton V's, playing some really good hockey here, and mentioned it earlier in the show. Boy, what a difference a, a change of scenery can make for a player. Obviously, last year that U.S. team, the U18 squad, was so deep. Tough for a guy to uh, stand out on that squad. And uh, now he's getting an opportunity to play a lot more and in a lot more big situations, and he is definitely making the most of it. So I'd be uh, I'd be pretty surprised if he gets overlooked again in the 2020 draft. It's a goal his dad scored when he was a member of the Oilers against the Calgary Flames one year. Still one of the highlight reel goals that I remember. I can picture vividly in my head. And uh, there was a time when I covered the uh, Edmonton Oilers, like was in the locker room and interviewed the players and stuff. Uh, but it was right after he left, and for about uh, I did it for about five years, I guess. Uh, but never really had a uh, an opportunity to, to interview Doug Waite. But but he but he's revered in Edmonton. He's still one of the most popular players who have worn uh, the uh, Oilers colors. We have one more segment to get to. Uh, it's a good one though. Twenty twenty draft spotlight once again. This time it's with a player named Joel Sexsmith. He is a Edmonton area kid. And if you're uh, from this area, you recognize the last name. And yes, he is John Sexsmith's son. He is now playing for the Red Deer Rebels. And uh, quite the story, uh, a bit of a health scare that he had that he's still dealing with now. But uh, you know what? I'm not going to spoil it. I'll let him tell you the story. All of that coming up next here on the Pipeline Show. the left side pass over to Ashton oh what a stop Darcy Kemper what a gutsy performance this evening at the NMAX Centrio this is Cam Moon voice of the Red Deer Rebels and you're listening to the Pipeline Show
Ice-shattering hockey action continues this Sunday at Rogers Place. Your Edmonton Oil Kings take on the Brandon Wheat Kings. Don't miss your shot to see the WHL's most exciting team live. And cheer on Edmonton as they keep the fight alive for the top spot in their division. Oil Kings, Wheat Kings. Sunday afternoon at 4. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. We are back on The Pipeline Show. We're going to end this week's episode with another 2020 draft spotlight segment. And uh, we'll get to my guest in a second. A quick little story first. Uh, I, this is about, uh, well, I guess it was about uh, 17 years ago, 16, 17 years ago. I was, uh, before I was even uh, media, I was watching the Oilers Golden Bears rookie game, an annual thing that the the Edmonton Oilers and the uh, Alberta Golden Bears do, or at least they used to do. And at this one particular game, in sitting right in front of me, directly in front of me, uh, was a, a local uh, celebrity, a sports uh, broadcaster. His name was uh, John Sexsmith, and he was there with his wife and uh, a young baby. And uh, at the end of the game, they got up and left, and uh, they dropped their uh, baby's bib, they, uh, a, a bib. So I picked it up, and uh, the next day I uh, returned it to uh, ITV, and I uh, got to meet uh, John Saxmith, and uh, he was very kind and appreciative. And uh, it turns out, uh, 17 years later, that baby uh, is now my guest on the Pipeline Show. So I'm uh, pleased to be joined by uh, Joel Saxmith. Uh, Joel, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Yeah, thank you. It's, thank you. I, I'm sure your dad's never told you that story, but uh, he and I have talked about it uh, several times. So uh, I feel I feel like I've had this connection to you for uh, almost two decades now. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, tell me about this season so far for you and the Rebels. Um, third team, uh, WHL team that you've had your name attached to, but you're finally getting to play some games uh, now in, in your WHL career. Uh, what's this year been like? Uh, it's been pretty good so far. Um, I mean, obviously with... Uh, the moving around and all of that jazz, it's been uh, pretty overwhelming, but now that I'm settled and, you know, um, with a, a permanent WHO organization, I feel like, uh, you know, so far my adjustments to, uh, you know, jumping up a level have been, you know, um, where they needed to be, and uh, I, I'm, you know, really happy with uh, the young core group we have. We've got, I think, 13, 17, and 16-year-old players, so... Yeah. Um, there's lots of there's lots of potential in our room, and um, it's honestly exciting. And um, you know, with a great leadership group, and uh, obviously Brent and the coaching staff, I think this team uh, this team's gonna you know end up being a really strong team for the future. Well, and that's exactly the key to this year for the Rebels. And, and you mentioned it's a, a very young core. There are definitely some uh, some older players who can provide leadership for you and the the rest of your younger teammates. Um, but it is sort of a growing year for the Rebels. And you look at this, the standings, and it's kind of indicated that way. Five wins so far uh, through uh, 18 games this year. You're coming off a victory. So uh, it's the most recent road trip. Do you, do you feel like there's some positives to take away from it, even though you're not, you know, more often than not, you're not winning the games? I, I think absolutely. Um, you know, this is, for a lot of us, this is our first big road trip on the road. And, um, you know, major junior. So, um, the fact that we were able to come, uh, come away with a big win against, uh, you know, a, a top team in the CHL, 
Um, I think shows, you know, to not only the older group and the staff that, you know, we can really compete at this level, but the younger group as well. We know we've got um, obviously a lot of, obviously a lot of talent. And, um, you know, I think if we can put it together and tie it together and, you know, play our game, we're, we're obviously, uh, you know, a really good team. And for you on a personal level, how you how have you felt about the way you've played this year, Joel? Um, you know, for me, it's been it's been a little bit of a, a culture shock playing in midget last year, and then you know missing a lot of the season because of you know uh, health stuff. So um, for me, it's just been kind of easing my way back on the lineup. Um, you know, uh, accepting what I'm going to have to do as a player this year, um, understanding that I'm not going to be necessarily able to do all the stuff that I was able to do in Bantam and prior to Midget because um, obviously this is a big jump, but um, overcoming, you know, some circumstances with health as well as, you know, it's just one of those things where you have to kind of take a step back, um, really, really dumb down the game a little bit, um, keep it simple, and then from there build and uh, hopefully kind of move, move forward and start kind of spicing things up with my game a little bit more. Joel, you just mentioned it a couple of times, uh, some health concerns for yourself. Uh, for those, you know, the audiences across North America, not everybody's going to be familiar with the situation. Uh, can you kind of go through exactly what you've been dealing with? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so last year would have been um, late August of last year, uh, early September. I, I started noticing some weird symptoms in, uh, in my leg and um, kind of struggled over a few mo- uh, one or two month period where uh, I didn't really know what was going on, um, you know, and as, as hockey players and as athletes in general, a lot of us understand that, um, you know, you, you get heavy legs on a road trip or, um, you know, you might not stretch enough and the next day you're going to feel a little bit heavy. But uh, this was this was something different, so um, I started kind of noticing more and more uh, symptoms and, um, you know, heavy leg, um, shortness of breath, um, some scary stuff. So um, eventually we did a lot of, Test down in Vancouver, um, lots of blood tests, lots of lots of scans. Um, you know, for me it was it was pretty scary stuff because I didn't really know what was going on. But um, you know, eventually we came to the conclusion that it was a, a blood clot and a absent um, vein in my leg. So uh, obviously, some pretty overwhelming news at uh, at a young age, and not something we expect as you know guys um when we're teenagers or just really in general as being as active as we are so um you know it was a little bit of a little bit of a shock to me and the rest of the you know the organization that I was with at the time and my family as well so um you know uh thankfully I I had a great foundation over in uh Delta with the Delta Hockey Academy they were willing to take me in um Ian Gallagher Brendan Gallagher's dad you know trained me for all last um, all last year and uh, kind of put me back in game shape. And obviously there's, there's still some things that need work, but, um, you know, eventually because of that opportunity, I, I ended up here in Red Deer and now I'm playing WHL hockey after being told I probably wouldn't be playing hockey again. So, um, you know, as as negative as it could be, as, as saddening as it could be, it's something that I use as a motivating factor and um, you know, every day I, I understand that it's something I live with, but at the same time, it's something I can, you know, play with. So I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful I'm still, you know, even playing the game in general. So you were told that you wouldn't be able to play again? Yeah, I was actually told by a, um, a doctor that the chance of me playing again were uh, very unlikely. So um, that that came, you know, and uh, it was it was really overwhelming and really upsetting to hear. But 
Um, you know, everyone has to do their job. And at the time, that was the conclusion a lot of people were making. And, um, you know, uh, it was it was really overwhelming, but I was determined to, you know, get back on the ice and uh, do what I needed to do to, you know, stay, stay um, playing the game I love. Well, good for you. Uh, and obviously, you're back playing, as you mentioned. And so there was, I don't know what the treatment was, but moving forward, it's something that you can still play with. You you, you have to do things on a daily basis to, or, or uh, you know, what's kind of the prognosis moving forward? How do you handle it? Um, there's a lot of kind of underlying things that, you know, play a factor, you know, little things like, um, you know, coffee and caffeine, stuff like that. I try to avoid because, um, you know, it speeds up my heart rate and, you know, with having an absent vein and a blood clot, you know, just kind of clearing out of the system it's it's something that you know it's hard for my body to take so um usually just lots of water um, i try to stay standing or moving as much as possible to encourage blood flow and just little things like that so that you know my body uh my body's able to adapt to a pretty pretty hard schedule pretty heavy schedule and um you know that i'm able to perform at my best while uh you know juggling with all those little things i promise we'll get to the hockey stuff in a second but uh, you know a health concern for you i know your family your dad was going through a health uh, concern as well uh at the same time that that really had to be tough to go through as a family yeah it's um you know everyone goes through stuff um whether big or small and um adversity is just something you can you can uh i think when it comes to adversity there's you know two options you can shy away from it and um let it kind of overcome you or you can take it on and uh you know overcome it and i think for you know having my dad sick as long as he's been and um you know being such a young guy watching him kind of battle through it all it was you know obviously really pivotal and um you know me me doing the same and um to have someone that was so supportive and so understanding through the entire process was was pretty amazing and i'm uh, i'm really grateful for both him and my mom who's been uh who's been like a rock in our family over the last, you know, uh, 11 years. So, um, you know, seeing her kind of juggle with him and then obviously seeing her, uh, her only son sick, it's, it's tough, but, um, she's, she's done an amazing job of handling it all. And I'm, uh, I'm super proud of, proud of my family for being able to get through this. And, you know, eventually, uh, now we're here and it's it's awesome and it's uh something to build off of yeah moms are outstanding uh, like that um joel sexsmith is my guest he plays for the uh, red deer rebels and uh, maybe for the benefit again of the audience that might not know uh, a whole lot about you maybe let's start at the beginning uh where'd you grow up uh, joel uh, i'm from edmonton alberta and uh, uh born and raised and then i i moved moved away from home when i was 14 so i like to say i'm an alberta boy most of the time but uh i'm a little a little bit of a a splash of everything now so and have you always been a defenseman i have been my old man um i was actually a goalie for a bit uh growing up uh kind of um whenever we needed a goalie i'd strap on the pads because i i love getting in front of the shots so um i actually got a funny story my dad uh my dad and i were sh- used to you know shoot pucks in the basement and mm-hmm. um all that so uh he uh he was he was determined to make me a defenseman so um, I strapped up the pads one time, and uh, he made sure that he made sure the time. By the time I got out of that net that night, I, I wouldn't want to be a goalie ever again. And and it's uh, it's history now. So I can block shots still, but I'm I'm not a goalie anymore. And I'm uh, I think both of us are happy because of it. What was he so uh, against uh, a goaltender for? 
Uh, I don't know. I, I think he didn't want, uh, he's kind of a cheapskate. He wouldn't like hearing that, but I don't think he'd want to be buying, buying sets of pads every year. And he knows I'm a little bit of a diva sometimes. So, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully I kind of, um, made him happy by doing it. And I don't know if he knew how to coach a goalie. So he loves being hands on and, um, he was an amazing coach growing up and, uh, he was great with me as a defenseman and, uh, you know, seeing him kind of give me some pointers kind of really led me to where I am today. I know. I talked to him a bit during training camp uh, this year, and uh, I think it was right before you got traded, actually, this year. And he was around the Oil Kings camp, and uh, we were talking about some of the players that he's coached, the guys your age that are now in the WHL. Pretty cool to see those guys uh, having success as well. I'm always interested to hear the Bantam draft story and what the Bantam draft was like for you. You're a ninth overall pick in 2017 did you get to stay home from school or were you following it at school what was that day like um i was actually playing in winnipeg at the time so this would have been the first year i uh i had moved away from home and mm. um unfortunately i wasn't able to share that moment with my mom and dad but um got to share it with some friends at school uh you know i kind of heard my name called uh during like a foods class and um it was it was a pretty cool moment um obviously something i'd worked towards for a pretty long time but uh, looking back at it now, you know, it, it's one thing to be drafted and it, it's awesome. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's it's a, just a new starting block. And I think for, for me, I, I realized, you know, um, pretty quickly that, you know, guys were going to be determined to catch up and guys were going to be um, ready to take my place just like I was ready to take an older guy's place. So, um, yeah, I mean, the draft was great and, and I had great memories of it, but um, you know, now the focus is, is the NHL draft and, um, I think seven or eight months here. So, um, you know, it's one thing to be drafted, but it's another thing to be playing in the league. And I think that goes for the NHL as well. So, um, yeah, it's been, it was an awesome moment, but, uh, definitely just for me, I thought, I thought of it as a new starting kind of starting block. Well, with Swift Current, the draft, they traded you, uh, your rights to uh, the Vancouver Giants. You played a handful of games for them, uh, last year and then the trade, uh, this fall to uh, Red Deer. Nice that if you're going to get traded, and I, I imagine it's a bit of a shock when you, you get uh, that, that news, but when you hear that you're coming uh, to Red Deer a lot closer to, to uh, family, that must have been the uh, the nice silver lining in that news. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty unbelievable. I I remember getting the phone call from Brent, and uh, you know, obviously with with everything that had happened in Vancouver and everything I had been through, uh, you know, I had an amazing support system out there with um, some friends and. Uh, um, it was hard leaving, but I knew when uh, Brent had phoned me, it was uh, it was an amazing opportunity and something I couldn't pass up. And you know, since the minute I've got here, it's been it's been awesome. I've been able to see my parents way more. Um, we've got a dog at home that I'm pretty close to, so it's nice kind of seeing her. And uh, um, obviously, just too with the group of guys here, it's uh, it's been more than I could have asked for. Um, you know, it's. It's an awesome group of guys. It's a young group of guys. We've got lots of energy, um, lots of potential, and we know that we we have something special here. And um, I think Brent knows that as well, and the rest of the coaching staff, and um, just the way Brent's kind of handled, you know, my my uh, my health, and um, it's been amazing. I, I can thank him or the rest of the guys enough. They've been super understanding, and I think because of that, um, you know, I, I'm I've I've been able to do well. I'm, I've played 14 games here already, so um, you know it's it's something definitely special, and uh, it's just you know the uh, the cherry on top that the fact that my parents get to watch. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been awesome. 
What's your role on the team, Joel, uh, with that young defensive core? I think there's only, uh, what, uh, you got a 20-year-old and a 19-year-old defenseman, and everybody else is 17 or younger. So it's it's definitely a young blue line. Uh, what's your your job description? And maybe turn, morph that into a scouting report on, on Joel Sexsmith for us. Um, I think for, for me this year, it's it's important that I just learn to defend. Um, at this level, and it's it's big for me that you know I become more of a, a defensive role player as I was you know always a little bit of an offensive defenseman. But now I've kind of shaped my game to be more of a two-way guy, um, hard on pucks, uh, a guy that you know just makes good simple plays out of the zone, for solid first pass. Um, you know, and I might not get a sniff a lot of um, you know special team chances mm-hmm. right now, but I can definitely uh, contribute to that as well. And when I get the chance, you know, I'll I'll make the most of it, but so far, uh, you know, I'm I'm really content with the amount I've been able to play, and um, you know, it's for me, it's just been, I guess, for me, I'm, you know, I'd see myself as a as a guy who can contribute offensively and defensively, and you know, is willing to accept his role, whatever it may be, and you know, whatever my coach needs me to do, uh, that's what I'm going to do. So you mentioned the NHL draft uh, coming up in June. You're eligible this year. Is is the draft on your mind much? Do you spend much time thinking about it? Um, I think sometimes, you know, I obviously hold myself to that standard. Uh, uh, I think, you know, just being a high Bantam draft pick and then, um, you know, being able to attend Hockey Canada camp and, you know, being able to compete against a lot of those guys in my mind, I'm still, you know, very much thinking that, uh, you know, I, I have a chance, but I think for me, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy to think that, you know, I'm still playing the game in general, let alone thinking about the NHL draft. So I'm just, I'm just trying to take, uh, everything one step at a time, understanding that, you know, um, you know, I'm recovering from a huge, uh, major, major injury and, um, you know, it's something I might have to deal with for the rest of my life. So, um, I think for me, yeah, it's obviously something I think about a little bit in the back of my mind, but as long as I'm doing what the team needs me to do, and as long as I'm doing what I need to do as a player as well, I think, you know, that'll, that'll all sort itself out. And at the end of the day, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be smiling at the end, uh, at the end. Considering the injury, Joel, is, is there part of you that almost expects not to be drafted? You know, I think I think that's something I've been asked before, and um, something I've thought about. And I think for me, is you know, it's just you know, everyone goes through injuries, and um, it, it's it's honestly it, it, what it boils down to when I when I think of it is you know, if I can play, I can play. Um, you know, the injury is one thing, but. You know the heart's still there, the the IQ's still there, the skill should still be there. So, um, you know whether or not I was injured in the past, whether or not I've got a condition, um, you know there's guys that are you know you know see you, you hear about blood clots in the NHL, you hear about guys you know struggling with little things. So I think as long as I uh, as I prove myself as a player and um, hopefully as you know a good leader off the ice as well, you know I get a sniff and uh, you know get the chance uh, you know I, I earn. Now, you're an Edmonton kid. The NHL team in your backyard has been terrible for most of the last uh, two decades. <laughs> Did you grow up an Oiler fan, or were you cheering for somebody else? Uh, I've always been an Oiler fan. Um, you know, obviously, for for a little while, it was tough to cheer for them. Um, but uh, I've been faithful, I think, through uh, through it all, and now it's nice to see them kind of coming together. And, um, you know, I've I've also moved around a bit. So I've lived in Winnipeg, and I've lived in Vancouver, so... Um, you know, I've, I've got some roots in Winnipeg, so I'll cheer for the Jets too. But um, I like to stick close to home with the teams I cheer for, just as long as it's not the Flames. So uh, 
Uh, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if any of my, uh, anyone from Edmonton like to hear that I'm a Flames fan, but yeah, I know. I'd say it's been nice seeing you. I was doing well this year. You know, whatever happens uh, next June, your your favorite team might change anyway. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Even if it's those no Flames. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, wish you the best of luck the rest of the way this year, and whatever happens at the draft, and certainly beyond that uh, as well. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Key. Say hi to your dad. Yeah, I will. That's Joel Sexsmith of the Red Deer Rebels, and um, I forgot to mention it uh, during the interview. I wanted to ask him about it, but uh, the Rebels have this uh, TikTok video that's uh, on uh, Twitter. Well, I guess probably on all the social medias out there, uh, but it's getting a lot of views. I think it's got over 40,000 or something, um, and Mooner, uh, Cam Moon, voice of the Rebels, was telling me that whole idea was all Joel Sexsmith, so uh, I forgot to ask Joel about that, but... If you haven't seen it, uh, go to the Rebels uh, Twitter feed and uh, check it out there. That wraps up this week's episode with the uh, four guests that you heard. Thanks to them and thanks to the uh, media guys uh, that uh, set up a couple of those interviews. Really appreciate their assistance as always. Next week on the show, it'll be uh, more of the same. Uh, Plan on having another 2020 draft spotlight. We'll have another NCAA campus report. It'll be the the week where there'll be a U-Sports segment as well. As always, a CHL Insider and In the Dub segment, and uh, usually we have four segments or four guests, so a couple of those might be squished together, much like this week where we had the CHL Insider and an In the Dub segment were one and the same guest with Glenn Erickson. Before I go, quick reminder, uh, all of these interviews, you can hear them before the full show comes out uh, if you're a patron at patreon.com slash show. Some of these interviews were done uh, on uh, Tuesday, Some of them were done on Wednesday, which means that they've been available for a few days uh, as early exclusive uh, bonuses for people who have signed up to be a patron. It's only a couple bucks a month. comes right off your credit card each month, uh, so it's uh, no hassle. You're not going to miss that two bucks, uh, but they all add up, and uh, it means a lot to uh, me and the Pipeline Show and the sustainability of the program. So I really appreciate those who have done that and uh, signed up to be a patron. Locally, All Kings are uh, home again on Sunday. Tough schedule, though, as they uh, play the day before, the night before in Medicine Hat, and then it's an afternoon game against the Brandon Wheat Kings. So uh, we'll see how they handle that this weekend. Uh, outside of that, get out and watch some junior college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya.